1: Bronco's country. Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Brew Podcast. I am here with the man, the myth, the legend, John Cronenberg. You can find him at John K NFL. I am the doctor, the good doctor, some would say. You can find me at dr underscore and manning on Twitter. And you can follow the podcast at orange underscore and brew. We're a podcast that marries our two favorite pastimes, the Denver Broncos and beer. How could you have one with not the other? We just want you to take a journey with us today. Got a lot to talk about. We got some almost real football to talk about. We got depth charts to talk about. We got front office hirings. We got a whole bunch. And I'm super excited
0: about it. But before we get started, John, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. This is this has been a very exciting week for Broncos fans in general, uh, it's just been uh, a lot going on. Obviously, like we're going to talk about with practices, and and again tomorrow there's going to be a game, and afterwards on Sunday we're going to do a podcast talking about that game, uh, just so you guys know. Um, and it's going to be real. It's going to be exciting. I can't wait to watch it. You know, one time, and hopefully then you know another time. Hopefully, you know, there's enough there where you know I want to see more of these guys and watch the line separately from. Uh, the receivers, and and so so for me, I'm very excited about that. That's uh, That's been one of my, you know, things I've been looking forward to this week, obviously, so uh, it's been a, a good week. How about yourself, though, Doc? It's been busy. Um,
1: Non-football-related stuff. We're getting ready back to school, you know, the back-to-schoolness, meeting teachers, uh, doing some, you know, getting ready, doing some stuff. Took the kids to the pool today because... Who knows? Now with school and stuff, uh, who knows where, I don't. Who knows, we Sports started, so my I coach my my kids sports. We started good times. It's, it's always fun when you know that your kid is the best on the team. The bad part yeah. is, is that you have to make things fair. You know, that's what I do. That's what uh, I do. That's hard though. though. I got home and said, "Hey, um, I'm going to need you to score a lot of goals." She said, Dad, I think I could do that. I said, Good girl. Because usually our emphasis is like passing, it's skill building, like it's to get better so that when you are really c- competitive, you have a good skill set. It's not about right. like just kicking the ball in and getting lucky and all that stuff. Because you know, if you've if you've seen me before, I'm not exactly tall. So it's not like my kids are gonna have like massive athletic traits. or more quick or quick group. So just getting them used to to playing with their, you know, with what their body type's gonna be and those kind of things, but after seeing my roster the other day, I'm going to need my uh, my daughter and my nephew to go ham, as they would say. But nonetheless, back to football. It, the energy is great, man. I, I don't know the last time I have been excited for a preseason game that I don't believe starters will play in. Right? right? I'm actually more excited about it than last year when we had a quarterback controversy, even though that was like, that's exciting, preseason football. Like, oh, man, like how they play? You're watching every snap, all that kind of stuff. And then now, I think that this team's going to be really good. And it's just, it's it's football injected into your veins. You get to see some of the guys, you know, um, Damari Mathis, who I'm ex- super excited about to see him be able to put some hands on some guys outside and see, you know, how he plays, how's Nick Benito's been, et cetera. It just, it's exciting. It's exciting time. So, yeah, can't wait. The seasons here, right? You like, you could, I could smell the grass from how High, you know, like, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. And because we want to, because we got to, you know, the sometimes the biggest things that we get to talk about are schedule release, right? Like, let's predict schedules. That's always super fun. The next one is when the team releases the depth chart. You know why? Because we always disagree with at least one of them. You know, with the coaches, the exact, like, nope, you guys got it wrong. I'm sorry. Sorry, Nathaniel. You did not have that correct. However, we were looking at it. There's like, there's a couple, couple ones in here that are kind of hanging around, but not a ton of shockers. But I would say, I would like to hear what your thoughts are. Anything that took you aback? Anything that interested you about uh, the Denver Broncos unofficial? but official depth it's official because it's the website you know?
0: i'm going to start with special teams here and for me um what? looking at yeah you know you teams. know you're a
1: boss you know that you're a boss and you know your stuff when your first thing is i'm going to talk about special teams
0: well, it's been an emphasis for the Broncos this off or this uh training camp. Uh when if you've gone to camp, I think you've seen them work on that quite a bit, this uh this training camp again. Uh so first for the kick returners, uh it's gonna be Montrell Washington first, then uh Kendall Hinton, then Tyree Cleveland, followed by Michael Ojemudia. A little surprised Michael Ojamudia is in the mix there. I uh, wasn't really thinking about him as someone who would be a real viable option, but obviously the Broncos think that way Uh, for punt returner. Again, it's going to be the same for the first two, Montreal, Washington, Kendall Hinton, uh, followed by for third, it'd be again, Michael Ojemudia, followed by at fourth at Trey Quinn. Uh, For me, this really indicates that the Broncos are leaning heavily for, you know, again, for Washington and Hinton to be battling that out. And then the other guys are kind of for backup thoughts and uh, down, the you know, down the road if this doesn't work out with Washington or Hinton um so i find that very interesting that sounds like that really s- solidifies uh Hinton as a uh piece for the broncos that they're going to keep and want to retain especially for special teams uh so that also makes him even more valuable for his uh wide re- uh wide receiver abilities as well and then washington again he's made, made a lot of uh, impact uh besides you know his kick return and punt return but uh, that will be something that's really a part of his game and the Broncos need. So I'm very excited about that and uh, want to know your thoughts. You know, uh, do you agree with Washington being there at one for both those positions? Because I definitely do. Um, so I want to know if you agree with that as well.
1: Yeah, I think if you draft him in the fifth round. Yep. Right. Like if, if he hasn't looked that good, that would be worrisome. But from practice after practice, he has been the, the fastest guy on the field. You know, KJ Hamler I have something to say about that. Hopefully, when he comes back. But as of now, you know that's a guy that is good at that thing, and uh, he has shown to that the moment hasn't been too big, at least through camp. We'll kind of see. Hopefully, we'll get he'll get a couple opportunities in in the preseason. I know that the Broncos are special teams coordinators are are emphasizing, you know, for Brandon McManus to kick things short so they can. You know, get an opportunity to, to check out the coverage teams that kind of stuff I would assume that other you know other teams are going to do that they'll recycle guys through because you don't want a guy getting beat up for three games that don't matter but um but I'm excited for that I think that that's a I think that's a really interesting one because it's you assumed that he would take it and he took it which sometimes that doesn't always happen right you draft a guy and it's like oh well, hopefully he gets there and then he doesn't end up making that push or doesn't have that Um, He doesn't, hasn't made that presence felt, but in this case, he has. So I think that that's, uh, that's positive for sure.
0: Yeah. I think like you were talking about his acceleration is, is definitely easy to be seen in person and I can't wait for uh, other fans to see it on, and hopefully on TV. Um, and, and again, like you you were talking about, he's still as valuable as a wide receiver. So at the same time, uh, him and Hinton, you know, if, if one of them is becomes more valuable in the receiving game, all of a sudden maybe you change the depth chart. So that'll be interesting to see as well.
1: I'm actually just going to take that and transition it. I think, one one fantastic surprise over time, and it's one of those where it's like it's a little Cinderella story, and I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. Is Kendall Hinton's progression as a wide receiver in the NFL? He, he's a good player, man. Like you know the the practices I've been able to to see, the reports that I've been. He's just he's steady. He's a guy that is where he's supposed to be, uh, and makes the grabs that he's supposed to to make. And you think that with your, you know, he had limited experience at quarterback, but I think that that changes and elevates the way that you look at it, being able to see the entire field versus how you're going to run your route from a perspective view. Right. And so that's a guy that I'm just, I'm excited that he continues to give the team no other option than to play me. You know, I'm going to keep playing well and you're going to keep me. And he's a guy that I thought maybe would be a, a, a trade asset, Trinity Benson style, that kind of thing. And he's kind of worked his way to, I can't really afford to lose him. Like, you know, we'll get a six-round pick somewhere else kind of thing. So that one's super exciting. I do like that Montreal Washington is – I would think that he's red right receiver four, wide receiver five, depending on how you view um, Kendall Hinton, you know, the package, all that stuff. I bet that they'll kind of get some equal run with different looks. But his ability to, to catch on as a receiver, that part has been exciting. For me, you know, he's, he's probably higher on the depth chart than guys like Tyree Cleveland who's been here for a bit obviously seth williams who uh who's who's listed pretty far down seth williams is
0: having issues with those drops uh i keep hearing that yeah and uh having a
1: big having a big body and being fast only works um when you run track
0: yeah and with tyree cleveland you know he's been out for a while with uh his um throat injury as well uh so that's uh something that's hindered him and his ability to kind of make a push for his argument to be on this team yep. uh, yeah just because i feel because like he just he hasn't
1: got a lot of looks there right so he got hurt, hurt right after tim did and right. so when most of your reps are going to the starters and you know your claim to fame as you're a trusted special teams guy you're going to lose ground and i think he didn't gain enough last year Uh, maybe they gave him a fresh slate but yeah this injury right now is it's kind of the worst timing possible
0: yeah definitely anything else jump off uh for the depth chart for you at this point yeah i think
1: offensive line you and i were talking about it you know zach johnson being you know the backup left tackle i I would assume at this point in time you know because we're guys that are injured billy turner randy gregory like that kind of stuff we're not queuing them into this list because it right now they're not available so you can't really have them as depth. In the Mm -hmm. chart, as you will. Um, But Luke Wattenberg, you know, I talked about that, about him really getting the run as the backup center. I figured, you figured, we figured that really would and should be Graham Glasgow. And so we talked about it last time that maybe they're just they're they're betting on Graham's ability to be a pro. But. You know, he he's got run over the last couple of weeks. It'll be kind of interesting to see how that looks in preseason. But that one was interesting for me. And then the other on the offensive line was Zach Johnson. And uh and what he looks like on the on the left side. It's been serviceable. Um, but interesting because that's not a name I think any of us were super excited about coming onto the roster. I definitely wouldn't have had him over Quinn Bailey, etc. You know, going exactly. with some guys that are familiar. But Quinn Bailey was familiar to me, but maybe the you know the the front um, office and the coaching staff thought something different about Zach Johnson. So I think those are two names that we really probably have to look really closely at over the preseason to see how their progression, because I think the way that they play, you know, for better or for worse will significantly impact how this offensive line, you know, on the depth of offensive line is built. those two guys show well, and maybe you can let some, you know, a guy like Cam Fleming go, uh, you might not be in a rush to bring Billy Turner back, et cetera. But if those guys really struggle, then I think that changes the pers- the perspective of, of what your offensive line might look like.
0: Yeah, I'm in full agreement with you. And uh, I, I have the same kind of analysis. So we'll kind of skip over my my interpretation there just because we're we're so in agreement there. Um, But when it comes to some, you know, for the depth chart, otherwise, nothing really pops out to me uh, except, you know, looking at um, then switching to defense. Um, And one thing I do have to to love about this is Deshaun Williams being your starting uh, defensive end here, uh, at least at at this point. um, For me, that's that's one thing that I was very uh, pleased to see. I know Deshaun Williams started, you know, as a as a a guy kind of on the bottom of the depth chart, working his way up. Um, and it's so great just to see him now be a starter. He he's great against the run, able to you know uh, get some push inside as well. Um, as a pass rusher uh, so I really like that Deshaun Williams is uh, at least has an opportunity to get a lot of reps uh, when it comes to the season if he's able to you know stay healthy so for me that's one thing that I'm I'm very excited about uh, to see from a, a player and again his progression as you were talking about with Hinton uh, to see his progression get to the point where he's now um, listed as a number one I
1: dig it I I dig it I think you know, I I I like Deshaun Williams. I think he brings uh, attitude and some versatility that you really like. He's not the biggest guy, so um, I would. So that's assume where like you there's see a lot. Of-
0: yeah, that's where you see maybe Mike Purcell all of a yeah. sudden come in, and that's one reason. You know, at this point, you know, you you didn't see Mike Purcell have to take a pay cut or anything like that because I think they they again think there's going to be a rotation when when there's a pass rush needed or something a little bit more. Um, uh athletic needed they'll put in Williams when they need someone that's a run stuffer you you put in Purcell um or someone to you know to just take up a bunch of those pass uh those pass defenders so I'm really excited about that as well having them be in a rotation yeah I'm it's
1: interesting that the the youngest players are at the bottom of the depth chart on the defensive line but that's not necessarily the case throughout you know Nick Benito is the is is probably edge three and or edge four depending on you know how him and baron shake out uh Demari mathis is ahead of of some other vets um i you know marquis spencer seven round pick last year matt henningson um and who are all are all you know third third team <laughs> like third third team um that part's interesting to me just for the fact that I, I think that they're only going to keep six. And so, you know, do you think you can keep – I don't think you're getting Wazirike for sure onto the practice squad, maybe Henningsen. Uh, but I think that shows well for McTelvin Aguim, who who had really some big issues with anchoring and, and being stout against the run. His pass-west run rate was phenomenal. But uh, if they don't have to pass block with you on the field, then that's a problem uh, because they'll just run on so I think that, that one is interesting. You know, he's had a, a good camp from what I've I've heard. Hopefully, he'll get some preseason runs, show some things. I think that's a good problem to have when you have a guy that's still relatively young, super athletic. It might, his switch might have just went on. So mm-hmm. that one I think is pretty exciting.
0: Yeah, we've been waiting for him to to kind of pop. Uh, we saw a few things last year when he was getting when he was able to come in and it was a for sure pass rush situation uh but again that was a little bit of him falling in the doghouse of Fangio I felt like
1: yes and he absolutely would get obliterated at the point point and so yeah I think I think when you get in the, the doghouse it's hard to get out I think he did earn that a few times why they didn't give him a chance to, to work through that you know especially especially in in some lackluster seasons that part I don't know, you know, especially when injuries happen, that kind of stuff, uh, you know, you're trotting backup linebackers who are getting toasted out there a lot, and you're not really sub of them until guys get injured. So that part I think is a little intriguing. But I think the scheme fits him more, right? And so gap and a half, it's, it's much more um, a, a fluid, pick a choice, make a play happen. And I think that that part is really exciting for him. Yeah, you know what? I, Anything
0: jumping off? I think
1: you know the the quarterback depth chart looks right. Um you know Jamonte Williams, Gordon, Mike Boone. I mean, all that stuff checks out. So it'll be interesting as the shuffles. Uh the tight end part with Greg Dolcich not really having a lot of run. It's interesting because you know, he's a he's an early round pick that hasn't really played. So the fact that he's the second tight end, that part's a little interesting, but you know, we'll we'll see how it all shakes out here in in a couple weeks.
0: Yeah. And, th- and these guys need to get healthy. They
1: do. They do. And if they do, from what we saw yesterday, oh boy, it's going to be a good team. But we won't talk about that just yet. Hold on one second. We're going to take a breather here. And we come back at a new brew to check out. So hold on right there uh, and come back, my friends. You're not going to want to miss this. <laughs> And welcome back to segment two, the brew for you. Look at me go. Look at me go. You can tell I've been around my kids a lot lately. Um, So I got a new beer here. I haven't tried this yet. This is the Checkered Future IPA from Ska Brewing down in Durango. Durango, you might ask. Yes, Durango, Colorado. You've probably heard of Durango, but if you haven't, you should. Um, <laughs> you don't have to. You don't have to go to Durango to get this, but, um, but they got quite a few breweries there, or quite a few brews there. Uh, they have a newsletter on their page if you want to kind of see what they got. Um, they have they have kind of what we call the flagship BS. So the Checkered Future IPA, uh, the Mesa Guava IPA, what Raspberry Blonde Ale, and, and the Modus. Hopperandus. I mean, tell me that those names aren't super dope, but you can buy the Modus Hopperandus online. Um, All of those look fantastic. They have some seasonal brews, Mexican lager, a Euphoria Pale Ale, Oktoberfest, Mexican lager dark, and they have a wide array of seltzers. And even for those of us who like the taste, but maybe not the alcohol, uh, they got a pretty good non-alcoholic section. So check them out. I, I really like this I really like this place. I think their their cans are enjoyable. I think they did a good job with their marketing efforts, so I dig it. Uh, this specific beer is seven percent ABV, so not too shabby, uh, not too shabby. And again, it's a pale pale, uh, so a little lighter on the IBUs for an IPA. So, I'm excited about this one. Yeah. Again, check them out. Uh, you can order online. You can get these at your local brewery. So, Scott Brewery, um, Scott Brewing has quite a few beers all over the place. So check them out if okay. Let oh, me
0: yeah. see that can real fast that you I say.
1: Mean, it's I like it. Just like, like real creative. You know, they did a good job.
0: Yeah, that definitely fe- just feels. It's vibrant. cool. You yeah. know
1: what? Yeah. You know, it's like it caught my eye and I was like, I'm going to grab that bad boy. And I already have it in my head. Like, it's going to be good now, right? Like, who has a dope can and then makes crap beer? Not many people. Not many people. Oh, and you can buy swag. Check out their website, scarborough.com. That's some cool stuff. All right, here we go. You're ready for that.
0: There he is. That was a good one. That was a real good one.
1: He's back. There we go. Oh, my gosh. It smells delicious. Oh,
0: yeah. Good. All
1: right. Cheers. Down the hatch. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Was a, this is
1: what you were expecting? It is. It's been a while since I just had an IPA. And so yeah. um, it's you know, it's hearty in the in the it's all flavorful. It's still hanging there. Um, but not overwhelming. So it's if you like if you like IPAs, that's your jam. That's your jam. So this this sounds like a
0: big Big me I'm gonna give one. it a big dub.
1: It yeah. delivered. The can was dope. The taste was flavorful, uh, but not overwhelming. It's got seven percent ABV, so you know it's gonna do some work. And uh yeah, I like it. I like it. So, and it's a little bit closer to room temp. Um, had it out for just a minute, still good. So if you if you if you like it a little bit more chilled, I bet it would be better. So I'm gonna go ahead and give it a big dub. Big like dub like the Broncos had yesterday against the Dallas Cowboys in practice. But hold that thought, my friends. We're going to take one more small break and come back for the third segment. Talk about yesterday's joint practice with the Dallas Cowboys. And the Broncos make a couple critical hires literally the day after, (laughs) the days after uh, the new ownership group was set in place. So we'll talk about that here. So hold on one more time. We'll be right back. Final segment. Talking more football. Before we jump into the joint practices, the Broncos made two hires to their front office just days after, just days after the Walton, the Walton Penner group was announced as uh as Deborah Broncos ownership group officially, you know, the transition from the Bolin family to uh, the Walton Penner group. I, real quick, John. When you hear Bolin, what's the first thing that comes to your mind?
0: I really do. The first thing that comes to mind it is um, success. It's uh, it's been success for years, decades. You know, my whole life. So for me, when I hear Bolin, I hear success. What about you?
1: I uh, yep. I think standard. You know, it, when you when you said it, Pat did that, uh, and, and I think looking at people. In ways like that versus you know this you know larger than life fur coat all that stuff right um you know i don't know pat bolin i never met him never hung out with him so i don't know good bad different all that stuff i know how people that worked for him thought about him or at least the majority of i knew at times he had to make some shrewd business moves which weren't eventful so i i bet there's a whole bunch of stuff never gonna go into that you know why? Because i don't know but what i do know Especially as someone that studied business for a while and leadership, the guy set a standard and committed to the standard. Right, we're going to win, and everything I'm going to do is to be is to guide us towards winning. Which to me, uh, it, it sets the framework. And what I really like about that one, I love that we're we're kind of in simpatico. Uh I don't know if that's right <laughs> right now, but uh, we are in line with uh, with how we think about that. And, and the message that I got a little bit. Because I've been skeptical of this group. Just researching and knowing kind of how Walmart itself practices business. There is, a, there is a sense of doubt in, you know, will will they be committed to setting the standard to excellence? To to reviving a a franchise that okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. <sighs> Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, set the record for sales for North American sports teams. You know, I mean, it, people that pay for that for the Carolina Panthers, pay for that for the Denver Broncos because there's tradition and greatness. Are you going to help get this team back there? And after they continue to make solid additions to their front office, you know, or to their ownership group, I really like the diversity, not only racially, not only gender, but uh, business-wise, their views, their experiences. I think they did a really good job in doing that. This group seems to be, and said as much, that we are committed to winning. And I think that that's phenomenal uh, because of their actions are showing it. So, their first hire uh, was team president, right? We all thought, you know, we all thought we didn't really think. We hoped it'd be cool. You know, paid man and get some kind of seat at the table, right? I know that that was something that kind of got brought up uh, quite a bit. Uh, but I think that they did a really fantastic job, especially more that I dug into, the more that I like. So, Damani Leach is the team's new president. Um, and to be clear about that, the delineation. Leach will handle the business operations. George Payton handles the football. Those two will intertwine because one feeds the other, all that good stuff. But yeah, you know, George Payton's still going to get to make football calls. So instead of having a president of football operations over George Payton, which isn't necessary in my opinion, especially at this moment in time, showing what he's done in his short time here, right? But I think it provides a leg to stand on for Greg Penner and that group. Uh, I really like it because he's a younger guy um, who has seen a lot. He has worked in the NFL international stage, right? He's worked globally for, um, you know, in his time in soccer and things like that. So there's a sports savvy NFL awareness, um, working the C-suite with the NFL in New York, and then, you know, working abroad. And so I really like that. I like that because um, it, it provides diversity to that room. It provides a connection, which uh, you and I uh, also noticed, and I really like the way that you emphasize. I'll give you kind of the floor to talk about maybe some of why that hire specifically will be really great for this team. Um, but again, I think it's it's another home run in the sense of, you know, we got, we got someone that is not only an up-and-comer, but is extremely competent confident successful and and right on par right they didn't grab some other walton or whatever right they went outside the family outside the structure and got someone that they are you know unfamiliar with in a sense but someone that is not unfamiliar to you know to to kick and butt on the nfl level what are your thoughts initially maybe elaborate a little bit about why you think that this hire can be really impactful for the team
0: so I've been thinking a lot about all these different hires, you know, who's, who's different, the different owners that have been selected uh, because I assume a lot of different people came to the Waltons and the Penner group and said, Hey, I would like to be a part of this. This is exciting. I want to be, you know, I'd like a stake in this, uh, in this as well. Um, and I, what I found interesting was they did choose Lewis Hamilton, the formula one driver, who's, you know, considered, you know, one of the best ever, if not the best. Um, and I think what is interesting is, uh, for Lewis Hamilton, he's coming to the end of his career with formula one and he wants to, I think, you know, spread his brand outside of just the formula one market. He wants to get into the United States market, be a little bit more about clothing, other kind of ventures, you know, venture out of just formula one and racing, uh, be a little bit more about brands. And I think one thing that is great about this is, um, with, um, you know, Damani uh Leach. He, he's someone who's going to be able to help um, the Broncos go global. So at the same time, Lewis Hamilton will help the Broncos, you know, penetrate the European market with uh, especially, you know, the UK, which is seeming to be football hungry. Uh, maybe the Broncos take over the Jags as being the UK's team uh, in the future. Uh, so you can see something like that. Um, so this helps the Broncos penetrate into the United Kingdom market, as well as helping uh, Lewis Hamilton penetrate into the United States market. So that's that's one thing that really stood out to me from a business standpoint uh, for these guys. And uh, I know you, you, know, you saw that as well as being something that, you know, is, is prevalent for these guys. It's, it's not just uh, about football. It's also, you know, thinking about some of the, the future moves for this team when you go into the global market.
1: Yep. Yeah. This, they are putting money into this franchise, not for what they're going to do on the field, but an opportunity to be able to be, a international brand, which I just, now, know, how great would it be Broncos was playing London in five years again or whatever, or maybe even when they go there this year and it's just a sea of orange, right? Like when the Broncos play the chargers or whatever. Yeah. Like how cool would that be? And I think that that's super great. So maybe just to clarify too, for everyone, essentially he's going to take over for what Joe Ellis was doing when Pat was capable. So that is his role. So I think just making sure if you were yes. around a little bit before Pat had his um, you know his battles and was there kind of the day-to-day owner that's really exciting um the other part is you said penetrate a lot and I just giggled like a little kid <laughs> so um that said next addition before we get to the practices we're going a little bit longer here but I think that these are important uh Tim Aragon as the general counsel so again he's taking over for Rich slipka who um who was with the Broncos for 20 plus years as as really kind of a team lawyer the general counsel, making sure that things are above board. Um,
0: and that means he was a huge part of the sale of the team. A yeah. lot of different things that, you know, w- the you may not think of, he was uh, involved with.
1: Pretty much almost anything, right? Yes. If, it's a, if it's a big thing, what are we missing here? You know, what do we need to have drafted? Uh, what's our liability? You know, that kind of stuff. And, Very important. And it's extremely important. And I really liked, you brought it up. I had not got a chance to really dive into this. Um, but I really liked what you said, and I'll let you elaborate on it, but, um, Aragon is, you know, from Denver He's a Denver kid went to, went to school, uh, here in Colorado, kind of grew up in Colorado, resides in Colorado, works in Colorado, uh, obviously got a significant education at Harvard and, um, and New York university for his, his law degrees and all that good stuff. But, um, but the, the guy is our community. And I I didn't notice that until I was able to check up on it after you had brought it up. But, you know, there's some investment in making sure that we take care of this community and where we're at. Having the general counsel be that guy, I think, is pretty cool. So just maybe quick thoughts before we get into the joint practice about uh, the addition of Tamerina.
0: Yeah, I think again, this is someone who knows the community. He's served on, uh, you know, the Community College Board of Denver Foundation. Um, he's been a board member for a lot of different uh, different foundations, and and uh, really, right now, he's, for example, uh, on the Colorado Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. Um, So, you know, that's one thing that's really important. Uh, I think that the Broncos, again, with this global market, again, they're going to go to, um, you're having someone who can all of a sudden reach the Latin markets and understands those Latin markets. And that's something that the Broncos want to get into, getting into Mexico City, get into Mexico, uh, get in with the Mexican community more in Denver here as well, not have it, you know, just be in English, you know, maybe some of the audio or something like that. It's, you know, it's more, it's in Spanish or something like that. So I think he can really serve. This community and help uh, the Hispanic community, especially, uh, uh, understand football and and get into American football from other other countries as well. So again, thinking of this globally and then again more locally, he understands what this community needs from uh, just a, a smaller standpoint. Perfect.
1: Well, I'm not going to recap that because you nailed it. Uh, I I like it. Again, uh, a more diverse. An equitable front office, so I, I'm a fan for, and they got individuals who, who I think are capable and uh, and should fit right in. So it's exciting, you know, it's exciting. So now you got, you, know, you kind of got the trust built out again. So that's how the trust got made up. It was the team president, which is Joe Ellis, um, et cetera. And so I think that that's really cool and exciting. Yeah, we talked about it. This is uh, one of the craziest off seasons for any sports team I can recall, ever. Right? And what what a difference! And that energy—I don't know if it was related or not—but uh, went onto the field. So maybe let's talk a, uh, a bit, a little longer, third segment. You're welcome. Uh, about the joint practice yesterday, because that's what we need to talk about. From all accounts, the Denver Broncos showed up and showed out. There were a lot of questions about whether or not this team would be physical enough, whether or not they'd be ready uh, based on kind of the savior body approach that Nathaniel Hackett decided to like a lot of mental reps, less physical wear and tear. You know, is that going to build enough callus for this team to be really good? And we won't know until they play. But it was a pretty good indicator that this team appreciated that and and came out ready to go. The count I heard from fights on the defensive side of the ball the so Broncos first team against the Cowboys first team was six was six fights between the same group uh and most of it uh, was encouraged by the Broncos from Mike Purcell my guy throw on a throwing a helmet 30 yards down the sideline or Jaymont Jones. It just sharpen. got
0: it. Got in his hand. It, you know, it was, he wanted to make sure he didn't get hurt. You know, he know he was, it was, it was all go. about safety to get that helmet off.
1: <laughs> he so wanted that, to make sure he got back to the equipment guy. Yeah. You know? It was all about you know? that. And it's, I think it's what happens when you, when you come out with an attitude and I, I heard a really fantastic interview uh, with Broncos country tonight and they interviewed Nick Benito and, and a few other guys had stated this, but the emphasis was, this is our place of work. No one's going to come in here and punk us. I am, a, I, am a fav, I am in favor of controlled aggression. What I mean by that is there are avenues in life where you need to take the initiative and execute. And in the NFL, when you're on the field, you, you need aggression to be able to move people against their will. It is not patty cake. And if you wanted it to be, you've got to watch something different. Uh, obviously, you know, keeping it between the lines and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't sound like anything was really that egregious, but it was it was nasty enough. I like the mentality of instead of last year's kind of bend but don't break. Um, you know, when you're getting you're getting beat up between the twenties, sometimes it's really hard probably to have that edge. You know, you might keep people from scoring a lot of touchdowns, but you know you you don't get the wow play from the turnover or a sack. Or, you know, some of those things that are really energetic, momentum swings, and I think this group recognized that, and they came out yesterday, you know, proverbial balls to the wall and said, you know, this is our house, and we're not going to take it, and if that can translate, that attitude translates to Sundays. Ah, man, what do you make of that? Like, what do you make of, let's maybe start just with the defense first, because I think we've been enamored with the offense, but I think the defense has been the most impressive thing during camp and was the most impressive thing uh, yesterday in during practice against, I believe, right, the number one offense, I think, in total yards, maybe in points. Yeah, I mean, the Dallas Cup was a really good unit last year. Continuity, right, Dak and Dak, Zeke, C.D. Lamb, they got their play callers, all that kind of stuff. So just maybe give me your thoughts about about the beatdown from the Denver Bronco defense.
0: I think it just showed quite a bit. Again, what you were talking about, that controlled aggression, Uh, the Broncos wanted to send a message. I think also with all the fans being there, there was a good amount. I think the second highest of camp uh, so far were able to attend. And uh, there were some Cowboy fans. And I think, like you were saying, the Broncos wanted to show that this was their 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 place of work. Um so the D-line was very stout versus the run, a lot of tackles for loss. Um you saw from Bradley Chubb again uh some of your bigger guys were really able to get those tackles for loss. Um and and one thing that I really loved to see was um was Nick Bonito. He was able to get estimated about four sacks um, because again you can't actually sack the quarterback and tackle him um, I think that was you know one thing that you just have to be enamored with at this point um, getting him at the 64th pick you love to see here that he's getting those those sacks especially against uh, an opponent who wants to again impose their will at this point against someone not on their team this is someone who's just a random person to them um, and they wanted to show again to their offense that they're able to be the starter so it's really these are very these joint practices really are almost more um more aggressive than what you could see in the game even uh, a preseason game um so really big thing there i saw was the stoutness of the defense and again uh, the ability to uh get get to the quarterback was something that really impressed me and again the only thing that sounds like uh was a weakness was OJ had some trouble with CD Lamb, but other than that, the Broncos seemed to do very well.
1: Yeah, and I mean Ronald Darby wasn't out there, and so he's he's beating cornerback four. It was a rough day, I think, for Michael J who who got tested the most with CD Lamb. CD Lamb's a good player, and it's probably gonna do that to a lot of people. The the defensive line was just taking lunch money, you know, just they're that kid that you see on the playground and then you walk around the other side of the playground. You don't know why you did, but you just, I don't want to go by that kid. I just don't want to go by. I, just, I, want, I want my milk and my brownie at lunch. And I don't want to take the rest. The Cowboys took the risk. They lost, they lost their chocolate milk and they lost their brownie. And you look at it and, and, and probably nationally, right. You look at the Broncos depth chart. Who's Draymond Jones. You know, who's DJ Jones and who's Deshaun? Like, who's Mike? Pris- and they're not names that have, not guys that have had 10 sack, 11 sack seasons. They're nasty, man. And and if they can play like that, Bradley Chubb was an absolute monster. And if the Broncos get that version of Bradley Chubb, even for 14 games, you know, a couple, couple dings here or what have you. They even get 14 games out of anyone. You're probably doing a pretty good job. Um, <laughs> that to me is just, is phenomenal. And I think their ability to keep guys clean uh, the inside linebackers had a, had a fuel day and, and the Cowboys really couldn't get anything. What I really liked kind of transitioning through both sides was the red zone defense. Yeah. They're going to play more aggressive style of of football. So it probably will lead to more points per game one, because they're not going to be milking the clock uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, But two, you know, more risk, um, you know, more potential burn. But the fact that they didn't give up a touchdown against the Cowboys, all their continuity and all that in in any of their red zone work, that to me says a ton. I think if this team can create some more turnovers like they're hoping to and still play really good in the red zone, that's going to be really phenomenal. And on the flip side, I'm now transitioning a little bit to the Broncos offense. Broncos offense was just – yeah, touchdown after touchdown in the red zone, which, as we've seen for the Denver Broncos over the last few years, has not been the case. Has not been the case. Red zone success on offense has not been very good. If this team can be really good in uh, in in the red zone, I'm I'm going to be a happy boy. So uh, you know, Russell Wilson finding his groove real early, and and the the team seemed to gel. And I think maybe the struggles. For this team, you know, in camp, they've they built up some traction over the last couple weeks, or the last few practices. But maybe just the Denver defense is that good. You watch the the Broncos' offense going against the Dallas Cowboys' defense, you know, minus Digs, but still, they had their way. You know, they they really could almost do anything. That got that's got to leave a smile on your face.
0: Yeah, it definitely uh, left a smile on my face. Uh, I think, especially for um, the Broncos, they've been going. You know, the offensive line when they've been going against the defensive line. You know, people have been saying the offense hasn't looked great, the line. But uh, you know, you look at the the offensive line against. Uh, Cowboys, they held up very well actually as well. So that's something that I really liked. Uh, there were some issues with Calvin Anderson against Micah Parsons, but that's to be expected with someone against Parsons. Um, so, you know, I expect in a, an actual game, if this was a regular season game, you'd see some chipping and um, some more help for Anderson. So he wouldn't be on an island uh, against uh, Parsons. But again, you don't want to show exactly what you would do with some, with a premium pass rusher maybe um, on film uh, for for um, the Cowboys and for the rest of the league to see. I also heard the run game looked really strong even without Melvin Gordon, um, which is something I'm very happy to, to hear about. Sounds like Gordon will be ready for the regular season. So that's good news. I know he has um, a foot contusion, I believe, so just a bruise basically in his foot. Um, so that's good to hear. And uh, again, hearing Javante Williams make that progress, where he's now looking for those cutback lanes and looking for those holes to open, uh, is very exciting uh, for me. So, so, those are some big takeaways for me from the offense of uh, practice.
1: Yeah, it was it was really nice to hear Albert Okwikan playing. You you know, he took a shallow cross and ran away from dudes. I mean, legit out you know out, <laughs> out raced them, which.
0: And then the red zone, again, like you were speaking, very good in the red zone. Dangerous.
1: Which is, you know, he he's an athletic guy. He's a run-after-catch guy and a high-point guy. We talked about that before. If he can do those two things, like just do those two things and be a somewhat capable blocker, which I think in a zone scheme is much easier than a power scheme. You and I have talked about that. If you're athletic, get in their way. If you're getting their way, you're making a block, right? And I, I think you have to trust the the vision of the guys. I really liked what I... Heard and and saw from Javante Williams and his patience, and he looks like a different running back a little bit. Instead of a bull in a china shop, he looks like a a little bit more like controlled chaos. Uh, And so I think if those two things, if you can get Albert O really playing like that, doesn't have to be phenomenal, but if he's a threat, it really provides you opportunities outside. If Javante Williams can run like that, because I really trust that Melvin can. Yeah. I know that Tim Patrick went down and is a really good player, but you got to really like what they got, especially if K.J. Hamler can come back the next, you know, six weeks or so with what Montreal Washington has done. Maybe they can add one more vet receiver on the back end, but, you know, maybe they don't have to. Maybe they keep relying on on their depth at tight end and um, and they have enough playmakers. And so it it was exciting. It was exciting because I I expected the offense to struggle more right? Just, it's a new scheme, new quarterback, new play caller, and new play caller John, He hasn't called plays in a long time and a new scheme for him to call plays in because traditionally he ran a different kind of offense in Jacksonville at Buffalo to what he learned and picked up in green Bay. And so that part is interesting because you don't know, right? It's uh, if I coach basketball and I've got a fast break offense, and then all of a sudden I go work for Phil Jackson and learn the triangle. And then now I'm a head coach. Now I'm coaching the triangle it's it's not what i grew up in it's not what i grew up playing and now i'm coaching that thing and so i think he he's nathaniel hackett as in he i probably should explain when i say he seems to press the right buttons right now and and we gotta love it so that energy that he brought you know he's relying on kind of science about how to take care of his players bodies outside of a couple freak injuries um you know they've done a pretty good job and and the team has been fresh and executed on both sides of the ball. So, you know, we got to probably pump the brakes a little bit. A little bit. But I think it's good to be excited, man. You know, I think it's good for us to lean in a little bit and enjoy rooting for our team. With like a, there's some realness here versus we're rooting for a team because we hope they'll be good because we just want a good team, right? You were talking ourselves into narratives. Which I have done, or you try, right?
0: Cross yeah, like, point. yeah, it's one of those things where you just can need it. something that
1: well, and the defense can hold it up. Like it could be, which it could have been. You know, a couple of things fall the different ways, all that stuff, but it wasn't. And we knew it was going to be a stretch. We knew if, 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 right? If, 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 if this happens, if that happens, I think there are very many. There were a lot of ifs. I think some of those are getting just you know extinguished. You know, is Russ. The old version of himself. Eh, so far, so far, he's looked really good. I know there were people underwhelming and all that kind of stuff. When I have seen him, the guy is as advertised. And and this defense is as advertised. So to me, I think the ifs are kind of getting checked off and checked off. And we won't know, obviously, till uh, what is it, September 12th, when they play for real. But 31 days, so we're a month away. Yeah. You know what Broncos fans like feel good. Feel good. Your team is is it, they're picking up steam and, and you want that especially as kind of camp close. So um, and it was fun to to beat the Cowboys. They brought a whole bunch of fans. Right. And it's kind of nice to like you set out in the heat for this. And that's rough. Yeah. That's rough. That's rough. Man, thank God that the Broncos didn't pay or get someone like Zeke. What? a am sorry. I'm, that's I don't even know how I went there, but you pay a lot to a running back, man. You hope that he is good. Yeah,
0: and uh, that that was uh, he, he got demolished by. Uh, by he Chubb. looked slow,
1: man. He looked he looked, he looked late big. Cut. He looked hesitant. He looked. It just. I mean, he they got to want it, he him got... to be the man. They want him to be the man. Tony Pollard is at least at this point in time more all around back, and they uh, they want their guy.
0: Well, it's the same thing with Saquon Barkley in a sense where. You know, you take it back that early and all of a sudden if, if they don't pan out with injuries or they they start to slow down, ugh, that was rough. What are you,
1: you going to do? So for all the pay, don't pay backs, big money crowd, that is your that is your case in point. Uh, but I definitely like what the Broncos have done so far. Excited to see them play on Saturday. I agree with you. Football's back, man. Football is back and we're excited for it. Uh, any final parting words for our friends no, country. just
0: appreciate you guys listening in. I'm very excited for the game on on uh tomorrow, Saturday, and uh, look forward to speaking to you on uh the flip side of that and uh you know go over the the actual game and see what we can dive into with the those little glimpses of seeing more of this depth uh, lower depth as you were talking about. So very excited about that and just looking forward to that.
1: Yeah, you know, breaking down actual football would be great. It's been a, it's been a bit, it's been a minute, as the kids would say. Well, I appreciate you, John. Uh definitely appreciate our listeners. Again, go, go to get a checkered future India Pale Ale IPA from Ska Brewing uh, over there in Durango. But again, you don't have to go to Durango. Go to grocery store or liquor store. Go and grab you one. They are delishioso. Um, And for our, my man, John, again, follow him at John K NFL. You can follow me, dr underscore N Manning on the Twitter machine and the podcast at orange underscore and underscore brew. Uh, from all of us over here at Orange and Brew, we thank you for listening. You know what take care of one each other and go Broncos. Go Broncos.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.